Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today we're talking Season 6, Episode 9, Into the Woods. Into the woods, and into the woods, and out of the woods, and home before dark. You're sorry. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you might indulge. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, didn't want to, but, like, it's right there. I know, it's ripe for the grabbing. I was in that show. Yes, you were. Who did you play? I understudied one of the stepsisters. Okay, so you basically were a stepsister. Yeah, I sh- it should have been the stepsister. This episode, the content and subject matter is pretty heavy, I did specifically leave a lot of stuff out. So if you're someone who is triggered by child abuse, child sexual abuse, we totally understand if you want to skip this episode. But I was really not explicit in my recap at all about things. So if you're a little hesitant, never fear. We're right there with you. And we will not get explicit in our details of like what happens in this episode. Uh, should I share a fun fact? Yeah. My fun fact is that my husband and I are re-watching The Wire, a.k.a. Frank Sabodka. That man can act, okay? I don't know. I feel like we watch it pretty much every year because it's a really great show. Um, and my husband was listening to uh, a Wire-style podcast that's kind of like our podcast, but it's like about The Wire. The last thing I will say, because this is the longest fun fact ever, is that Idris Elba's in there, and uh, he could literally run me over with whatever vehicle he wants with his little turtleneck sweatshirt. Uh, But I do stand the show, and I think it's incredible. I had a... uh, The devil was speaking to me. Oh, no. And the devil was saying, hey... What if you rewatched Gossip Girl again? Oh, no. And you know I love me a Gossip Girl. I love Gossip Girl so much, and I shouldn't. But I did have that thought today. I'm excited because so much TV is coming out in November. We got the next season of Dead to Me coming out, which I'm pumped for. The next season of Inside Job, which I'm so excited for. And the next season of The Sex Life of College Girls, which is coming out too. And I love all of those shows and I'm so excited. And girl, before we get to the show, we have a confidential informant fun fact. Or maybe we should say a confidential informant response to an episode we recorded a couple episodes ago, which was a response to... The middleman. So basically, our confidential informant says, I want to clear something up for you. 
When the BOU says high-risk or low-risk professions, this is not a judgment on the profession or the victim. It's a judgment on the unsub, because everything is about the unsub. An unsub who only offends people in high-risk professions, which just means being apt to talk to most anyone, usually means someone not that great at talking to people. Yeah, because the victimology is what they always look at when they're looking at trying to profile the unsub. So the victimology of who they're choosing and why they're choosing them tells you everything about the person who's the killer, ultimately. Yeah, so like it it doesn't actually mean that the person is low risk or high risk or anything like that. It just means that that's what the unsub perceives in their ultimate goal. Right. So it's about the unsub's perception, not a judgment call on the per- on the victim. Thank you to our confidential informant for sharing that with us and giving us a lot of insider details on all the episodes. Yeah, thank you. And now, girl, I think it's time for you to share the rating criteria. All right, so our rating criteria is as follows. Each episode can score between 0 and 100 points. Those 100 points are divided into five categories, each worth 20 points. And those categories are criminal slash serial killer, character development slash character arcs, forensics and context, script writing, and background characters. And we are in no way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds or all rights therein, but we are really big fans, and we sure would like to be. So if you're involved in the show, let us know. We're going to get started, guys. So we open in Harwood State Park in Pennsylvania. It's been a while since we've opened in a park. We meet Linda and Michael Walker and their son, Sammy. They are lost. It is dark. The vibes are very Blair Witch. And then the whole family here is wrestling and chomping sounds in the woods. And they run into a black bear, which is not what we had expected to see there. And I wrote where I grew up, I'd sometimes be driving around like going home from a day of work and there would just be a black bear standing by the side of the road and I would just drive by. I would keep going. I would not stop. Yeah, apparently there was a bear walking down Main Street here the other day. Scary. They just kind of like do their own thing, but they are huge. And in general, any wildlife I see, I just keep going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stop for the wildlife because uh, I, I don't want to deal with the, the emotional strain of what do we, what do you even do with a black bear? <laughs> yeah, right. The black bear gets spooked as the Walker family approaches and runs off. And after he pieces out, oh, I don't mean to gender the bear. I'm sorry. After the bear pieces out, the non-gendered, the (laughs) agendered bear, uh, the family realizes that what this bear was chopping down on was actually human remains. Well, he's got to eat. Oh, sorry, I gendered the bear too. The bear's got to eat. 
I do like the idea that they had to get a bear wrangler, <laughs> that Criminal Minds creators had to get a bear wrangler for this episode, for this shot. Like, what must that job be like? I would hate to have that job. That's a job I would not enjoy, wrangling bears. So we cut to BAU headquarters in Quantico, Virginia, and we learned that the body that the Walker family found was that of 10-year-old Daniel Lanham. Lanham. It's L-A-N-H-A-M. Lanham? I think it's Lanham. Yeah, Lanham. 10-year-old Daniel Lanham was reported missing when on a camping trip with his father last November. His remains were just discovered by hikers in Pennsylvania. It's really close to the Appalachian Trail. Rangers are the ones calling us in. The trail covers 14 states and is nearly 2,200 miles long. It's a miracle he was ever found. Don't think it was supposed to be. The unsub could have left him for the elements, but he wrapped him in plastic. Remorse? Think he bonded with the kid? He's an opportunistic offender, probably not. What are the chances that Daniel was his only victim? Not good. So we cut to Finney State Park in Pennsylvania, and we meet the Brooks family. Parents are Violet and Frank, and the kids are Anna and Robert. And I'm like, okay, so Robert is a child, but his name is Robert Brooks, and he's also my investment profile manager. (laughs) Papa Brooks tells Robert to go get firewood, and Anna, who's his little sister, is like, I can help. She's so cute. And he tells her that she can carry, quote unquote, twigs. And they kind of have this like very sibling exchange. They had amazing chemistry. Yeah, they do. These child actors are really good. But as the Brooks kids are gathering firewood, it's clear from the perspective of us, the audience members, that they are being watched. And Robert kind of senses this, too, because he tells Anna that it's time to head back to the campsite. We cut to the BAU private jet. Hey, girl. Reed has started a geographical profile based on the premise that the Appalachian Trail is the unsub's hunting ground. I started a geographic profile on the assumption that the Appalachian Trail is this unsub's hunting ground. We got lucky with Daniel. I doubt we'll find any more bodies. Parents think their kids are lost. But what's worse, he has them. Hiding out in the middle of nowhere. Well, Pennsylvania police considered Daniel's father a suspect. They interviewed him several times. About a body that can't charge him. Well, he appeared to be obsessed with finding his son. He even went back into the woods dozens of times following Daniel's disappearance. He claimed he was searching for him. All right, we'll start with Daniel's life. He's been exposed to a large suspect pool. Community, school, family, friends. We can't rule anybody out. But also, like, girl, if my son disappeared in the woods... First of all, I would not have a child, but if I had a child and it was a a child of any sort disappeared in the woods, I'd be showing up looking for them just like Joseph did. Right, same. So I get the whole, he was the last person to see his son. You know, there was like, there were custody issues with him and Daniel's mother. But, you know, that just being the basis for wanting to arrest him is a little bit like, come on, guys. Like, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be out there in the woods every every chance I got looking for my kid. We cut to the Boyd Big Tree Preserve, which I guess is that this is like the main ranger station that we spend a lot of time at. We meet Ranger Walter Turner. Reed, Rossi, and Hotch meet with him to go over the particulars of the case. And Hotch's first move is to interview Joseph 
Lanham. I'm sorry. Lanham? <laughs> I just think it's Lanham. Lanham. Joseph Landham. I love this actor. I love this interview. I, I think this actor is really great, and all of his interactions with everyone are really great. But this particular scene is really, really good. Mr. Lanham, you went back to the same spot where Daniel went missing every weekend from November until mid-March. That's right. And then you stopped going. Why? What changed? Mr. Lanham, Daniel died sometime in mid-March. You need to explain why you stopped looking for him at the same time that he died. I don't know. I just... I just had this feeling that he was gone. You and Daniel were camping regularly in the woods. Yeah. His mother had full custody and we only had the weekends. I wanted to make him special. Something he'd always remember. Joseph spent months returning to the scene of Daniel's abduction, searching the trails, looking for his son. But he stopped searching in mid-March, which the BAU has now learned is around the time that Daniel died. So why did Joseph suddenly stop searching for his son right around the time when they know that Daniel died? Was he involved? And essentially, Joseph gives this emotional speech and tells Hotch that he just had a feeling that his son uh, had died. Rossi Reed and Ranger Turner, lots of R names, discuss how this particular unsub held Daniel for months before killing him because he was abducted in November, died in March. The BAU is now certain that the unsub has likely killed before. And they ask Garcia to look back over the past five years to see if there are any other boys who kind of fit Daniel's description who disappeared along the Appalachian Trail. At Daniel's crime scene, Prentice and Morgan determined that Daniel's body was buried in a graveyard and not just randomly disposed of. They decide that there's probably another body nearby, and they find that there's like a marker where the unsub has like cut his axe into a tree to kind of mark the grave. So it's not just a disposal site. It's, it's meant to be like, it basically saying that the unsub does have a level of remorse and cares for these victims. The other body that is recovered from this graveyard is Tyler Stoltz, who was abducted 23 months ago. This is terrifying, by the way, guys. This is like bone chilling. The unsub abducts children in the fall and keeps them all winter. And as Morgan puts it, quote, it's like he's hibernating with them. Gross. So we cut back to the Brooks campsite. Remember, this was the family that was setting up and the kids that were gathering the wood earlier. So it's now nighttime. Parents are in a tent. And then we have the kids, Anna and Robert, in a tent. And Anna wakes Robert up saying that she has to pee and it's dark and she doesn't want to go by herself, which I totally get too. I don't like to pee in the dark. Like that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. She's also so young. I think she's eight and Robert is 10. Robert goes with her and they go just a little ways from the campsite. And they're being really, really quiet because they don't want to wake their parents. 
However, we hear someone cough in the woods. And I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be like one of their parents coughing in the tent or if this was... I had a feeling it wasn't. Someone else in the woods. Anna says she can't pee with Robert just standing there watching, which again is, is really valid. Like I'm, I'm really on the same wavelength with this little girl. I can't handle people hearing or seeing or watching me. Yeah, it's it's a very str- high stress situation peeing when there's not a toilet, and to just add to the stress is just we know there are bears in this these woods. You know, we don't we don't need that. So she goes and she goes a little farther, like it's just a couple feet farther, but it's out of view, kind of behind a bush. And Robert is like, "Come on, let's go!" And Anna eventually stops responding. So he goes into the woods a little further to look for her, and the unsub has her. Back with the BAU at Ranger headquarters, Reed has done some digging. He went back 10 years looking for reports of missing children, and he found 12 potential victims. I went back 10 years matching reports of missing children with Daniel and Tyler's victimology, and in my estimation, this unsub may have taken 12 victims. How can you attribute all of those to the same offender? The dates and locations of the abductions create an unmistakable pattern. Now, if he's been abducting children for 10 years, why weren't we called in before now? The thing is, he walks the entire trail end to end, and each way takes approximately six months. His sixth victim was taken from Dawsonville, Georgia in 2006, and he walked all the way to Manchester, Vermont, and took a seventh victim in 2007. He wasn't down south again until 2009 when James Clutter's parents woke up from a night of camping. He was gone. They just assumed he wandered off. We didn't get called in because nobody knew he existed. The crimes are years apart and cross state lines. The interesting thing is, 10 years ago, he was a more aggressive hunter, likely on the move hunting and killing all 365 days a year. But two years ago, he stopped traveling so far. He's slowing down. I think something's affected his mobility or old age or an injury from years of living on the trail. But the odd thing is, for the past two winters, He's returned to this 30-mile radius. Takes a victim with him in the fall to stay with him until spring, somewhere within that area. These are harsh winters. He needs to find shelter. Essentially, the UNSEP has been crossing state lines, and no one agency has been able to piece the entire thing together until now. So we cut to the UNSEP's lair. Anna and Robert are locked in a cage in a cave. Robert is super brave and tells the unsub that their parents are looking for them and promises, you know, let us go. We won't tell. And Anna is afraid. And I really like this dynamic with the two of them where at first he's comforting her and then she comforts him. The next day, the BAU is alerted to Anna and Robert's disappearance. And they focus on the fact that this is the first time that they know of where the unsub has taken two kids and also the first time that he has taken a little girl. Back with Robert and Anna in the cave, it's now daylight, but it's still very dim. I mean, it's a cave. Where I grew up, that was a cool thing to do. There was a cave and you would go. And I had a date in a cave one time. Are you kidding? I remember it being like heavy, like snow, like it wasn't actively snowing, but there were a couple feet of snow and I was trying to be really cool. And I'm not an athletic person. I've never been 
Uh, and we were just trudging at least a mile to get to this cave. And caves have, and we talk about this in the episode, they're much warmer. They have a, like a set cave temperature. So we get to the cave. And by this point, my boots are like kind of slick from the snow. So we go in and I like immediately skid and fall down and like scrape up the right, like from like hip to like, I don't know, just below my knee scraped. But because I was cool, I was like, I'm fine. And then I had to walk back and my leg for like months afterwards was bruised. It was awful. Oh my God. And then my husband took me to my second date in the cave, right? When we first were hanging out and we weren't dating, he took me to a different cave and I also fell down in that one. Um, This is why I don't leave my house anymore, guys. I've never been on a date in a cave, so you took one for the team. Anyways, let's get back to this other cave. Robert and Anna are in a cave. They're in a cage in a cave, and it's daylight, but it's still very dark and dim. It's a big cage, to be fair. It goes back quite a bit, and there are lots of random toys, and Anna's like, whose toys are these? Robert, I'm scared. What does he want? I don't know. What is he going to do to us? I don't know. You think he's going to... Please stop. Please. Mom and Anna were gone by now. So they're gonna send everybody to find us. What if no one ever finds us? Don't say that. We're gonna be okay. Robert? Whose toys are these? Now we have a scene where the unsub separates Robert and Anna. And Robert initially tells the unsub that he doesn't want to go, but the unsub says, I'll give you a flashlight. Anna's scared. I'll give you a flashlight. So Robert goes with him. And we cut away. We just see Robert disappearing, and Anna's like, please don't go. And then we just kind of cut to black. And I really like the way that this is done because there's a terrible implication here that we're not going to get into and this episode is really specific about what they do and don't show. And I really appreciated the way they did this particular scene with this kid. And now we get a profile. This unsub hunts for, abducts, and keeps his victims in the woods. So he left civilization and forged a home for himself in the wilderness. That means he's lost any societal or moral restraints. He's devoted his life to taking children and he's found the perfect place to hide them. He's found or made a shelter, which is difficult to find, but this shelter allows him to withstand harsh weather. It's secure enough to keep his victims from escaping and it must be sizable underground or on a mountainside. For this reason, the BAU points out that sometimes the voices of children get trapped or drowned by search parties calling for them. They ask the searchers to call out Anna or Robert's names and leave long pauses between so that they have time to listen for them. Girl, don't worry, the search doggos are here. Oh my gosh, yes. 
I love search doggos. So we're back at Ranger headquarters and Reed talks to Joseph Landham. Oh, I crack myself up. Gotta, if you don't make yourself laugh, you know, what? what's the point? So Joseph asks Reed if he thinks that Daniel ever heard his father calling for him in the woods. And Reed says, quote, even if he didn't, I'm sure he knew you were looking for him. So Joseph is really beating himself up um, for failing to find his son. And Reed tells Joseph that Joseph knows this area better than anyone. And Reed impresses on Joseph that he can help find these children. Hey, when did the temperatures drop below freezing? By Thanksgiving at the latest. Right, you have to go where the food supply is. And that saves us another five miles. What about shelter? Where did you stay when you were out there? I was holed up in a cave, mostly. Caves have a uh, natural temperature. They provide their own heating source. Back in the cave, Robert and Anna are reunited. And this is the point where Anna has to kind of take care of Robert. Robert tells Anna that the next time the unsub comes by, she should run away and go get help. Robert and Anna both tell the unsub that they have to pee, uh, which is a ruse because Robert ends up hitting the unsub and Anna just takes off and runs out of the cave. And we do kind of have a the descent moment in here. Anna has almost climbed out of the cave and you can see her like reaching for the daylight and the unsub climbs up behind her and grabs her and starts pulling her back down into the cave. And then Robert grabs the unsub and starts pulling him down into the cave and Anna is able to get free and go out. So now she's running through the woods. Again, she's eight years old. She's tiny. She's terrified. But don't worry, girl, the search doggos are on it. They quickly find her and she's taken to safety and she is okay. Hodge asked her what she, he's not really pushing the interrogation. And I was really grateful that they didn't do that like cognitive interview that they sometimes do. Oh my God, I know. Because she's really clearly traumatized and they were able to read the situation and say that like this would not have worked. Hotch gently talks to her, and they do learn that the unsub is walking with a limp. Anna, the man who took you and Robert, what do you remember about him? He smelled, and he was dirty. Anything else? He was scary. And he walked funny. Like with a limp? And then she shares some details about the cave that they were kept in. After she escapes, the unsub drags Robert out of the cave and through the woods. They actually pass right by the search doggos. Uh, but the unsub puts his hand over Robert's mouth and says, quote, no matter how bad things get, they can always get worse. So the BAU finds the cave that the UNSUP has just abandoned, or more accurately, the search doggos find it. Unfortunately, the UNSUP is gone, but they do find the cage that the kids were kept in and toys. The UNSUP left a lot of things behind. There's money, rations, pills, and there are flowers. Prentice texts Reed a picture of the flower, and it's called Devil's Claw, and it's a homeopathic treatment for, I believe it's joint pain. Reed also notes that the, this flower would likely help, but not completely diminish the pain that the unsub must be in for his leg. 
meaning the unsub must be medicating in other ways. Reed believes that the unsub is from the area of Jonestown, PA, because his first abduction occurred there. And I wrote that Reed is doing so much for this case. Reed is like on it. He really is. We cut to a halfway house of some sort. I can't tell if it's a moat. I mean, I think it's a halfway house, but it's, you know, people are living there and it's it looks kind of like a apartment, like a shitty, shitty apartment complex or like motel. Yeah, but there are, there are definitely tenants living there paying rent. The unsub brings Robert to meet his friend, Brandon Stiles, no relation to Harry. <laughs> we learned that the unsub's name is Shane, which I was a little like, oh, okay, It's not a name I expected, but okay. Shane negotiates more pills for his pain in exchange for trading Robert to Brandon Stiles. Again, no relation to Harry. And Brandon offers three months of pills and Shane is like, that's not good enough. Brandon Stiles, no relation to Harry. And he finds more, he kind of like pulls out Brandon's drawers and Brandon's kind of like, oh, come on, man, don't do that. In the end, Shane finds more pills and he's like, okay, Brandon, I'm coming back in an hour and then I'm leaving. Garcia works her magic. She identifies the unsub whose full name is Shane Wyland. He was imprisoned for, you guessed it, uh, child sexual assault. Hodge is like, see if we can find this guy's friend. And so she's looking up other sexual predators in the area and she finds a quote unquote cluster, which is this apartment complex slash halfway house. 11 of these men paroled in the early 90s have the exact same last known address. A cluster of pervs? Well, that rules out areas that are near schools and parks. Housing options are limited to say the least. I guess it makes sense. The cluster would be the one place they feel safe. Garcia, what's the address? Saying it right now. Uh, It's like the hip place to be if you're a sexual predator living in and around the Jonestown area, Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, back at the halfway house, Brandon Stiles, no relation to Harry, has a little scrabble with Robert and knocks him unconscious. The BAU shows up at this hotbed for sexual predators in Jonestown. And they meet a property manager who is so done with everyone, including the BAU. Kind of, kind of loved him. Yeah, he was, for me, he was the shining star of this show. Like, I I really was like, oh, yes. I saw him instantly. I knew. I just knew. Uh, He sees the BAU and goes, whoever did it, just take him. (laughs) The BAU's like, well, hold on now. What about Shane Weiland? And they do show him a picture. And he's like, I don't know who the fuck that is. And then they show him a picture of Robert and he goes, anyone under 18 walks in here? I got the cops on speed dial. The guy's name is Charlie. And I wrote, Charlie is an ally. Whoever did it, just get him out of here. Sir, do you know Shane Wyland? No. Have you ever seen this kid? Definitely not. Anybody under 18 walks in here? I got the cops on speed dial. Okay, say you want to score. Who do you go to in the building? I got nothing to do with that. Come on, man. Somebody in this building has the hookup. Look, this place is full of lowlifes. A lot of them sell on the side. We're looking for someone who would have moved in here back in the 90s. Only cat that lived here that long is Brandon Stiles from 408. Thank you. You tip him off, you're an accessory. 
the BAU go to Brandon's room, but he's not there. Robert's not there. Shane's not there. And they, the police just swarm the scene looking for this kid. And Shane returns to the building and he sees the police and he's like, nope. And he just leaves. Okay. So this is terrible. Brandon thinks he's killed Robert. So he's like, I've got to dispose of this body. And he brings him down to this like grungy, disgusting basement. Just, I feel like I just got tetanus just watching the scene with this basement. And he's like ready to dispose of this child. But he can't take the body out of the building because the police are there and obviously he'll be caught. So he's just in the basement, going to put Robert in the trash. Just as he's about to do whatever, Robert wakes up and this kid like runs away. He's like fighting Brandon Styles, no relation to Harry. Oh my God. <laughs> And and he gets away, but like he, Brandon grabs him, and just as Brandon's like, oh, "I got you," the BAU shows up, and they catch Brandon Styles. No relation to Harry. Robert is fine. He reunites with his family. Brandon is going back to prison. Thank you very much. And unfortunately, Shane gets away. I think this is one of the first times in Criminal Minds where the unsub gets away like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. If not the first time, one people of the will few. correct us. Yeah, he's Gonsville, baby. He's he's back into his hidey hole in the woods. In the cave, Reed found a jacket that belonged to Daniel, and he gives it to Joseph and says, you know, you helped bring these kids back. And I think that's a really good moment for that character. Back on the BAU private jet. Hey, girl. Although Shane did get away, it was a win because not only did they get Anna back, but they got Robert back. Shane must have seen the police presence and just taken off. It was easy for him. Robert's a tough kid. Knowing he fought back will help him get through this. In my entire career, I've only brought back a handful of kids to their parents after the 24-hour mark. This is not a loss in my book. Before now, nobody knew that there was a pedophile hunting on the trail. Now we know who he is and what he looks like. His photo's been sent to all the ranger stations. You think I'll go back there? Well, he can't function anywhere else. He's got no place to hide. I'm taking that away from him. It's just hard to accept there's no justice for the families he destroyed. We'll get him. Heavy episode. Yeah, it's a heavy episode, but I think they did do it in a respectful way. I gotta say, you know, like, I gotta give it to them. All right. So I'm going to share some information on how to stay safe when you're camping. Because there are a lot of people who aren't smart about how they venture into the wilderness. And I'm not like, I like hiking. I like camping, but I know some people myself and I'm like, girl, what are you doing? I have a couple different sources. So this is from like the California department of parks and recreation. Check your vehicle before you leave to make sure it's in good condition for any mountainous or desert road conditions you may encounter. Learn about the different types of wildlife to expect in the area by going online to the park's webpage. Be able to identify poisonous snakes that might be found in the area and any appropriate first aid treatment. Make sure that your camping equipment is in good shape. 
And if you have medical conditions, check with your healthcare provider for approval and pack more prescription medication than you might need in case your trip is unexpectedly extended. Oh god, I hate the way they say that. I know, me too. Another source, which is from Good Living, be aware if you're with children, like consider setting up away from potential dangers such as like rivers, creeks, and then like know what services are available in the area, knowing where the hospital is located. Like this is if you're going like really out of town, but like you know, if you're camping in a fire danger season, take that into consideration, have an evacuation plan. Bring a map, have a map, like a physical map, so that you're just not always reliant on your like GPS or mobile phone. Also, just be aware of the weather and temperature-related diseases. That's mostly it. We're bug spray. We should rate this episode. Criminal slash serial killer. He was gross. I don't like him at all. I think we should just give him a 10. Okay, that's fine. All right, character development, character arcs. We didn't get a ton, but like, I, I don't feel like it's like, I, I didn't have a problem with anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'd be okay between like a 15, 12 to 12 kind of a, a zone. Let's do 14. Okay. Forensics and context. I did really like the forensics and context. I like how they narrowed things down. I liked how this was a really simple profile, but it was like a really good profile. I I do understand that sometimes we get these like long profiles and there are reasons for it, but I did like the simplicity of this one. Yeah, me too. But I, I felt like I knew enough to not have to delve any further. So I appreciate that. So again, like, you know... 15? Yeah, yeah. I think it was pretty solid. Script writing? I thought this was a a good script, and I really liked how they were very respectful of this, like, very heavy subject matter. 15? Yeah. All right, and then background characters. I want to give the kids a 20. I agree. I think they're great. I think their dynamic is great. I think Joseph is great. All right, that gives us 74. If you are listening to this and you are able to give back to us, and I give that, like, what are we, a charity? No. Like, if you're able, (laughs) if you, listen, we do spend a lot of time working on this, and we do love doing it, but we do have jobs, and Abigail's a grad student, for God's sakes. So if you if you want to give us $5 a month, we have a Kofi, we have a Patreon, where we do uh, a weekly newsletter kind of recapping what we discuss, and it's fun, and you get some things that we, didn't sh- we don't share on this podcast, just about us, you know, hanging with us don't have money you can give us a five-star review or write to us and tell us that you enjoyed the episode or share your thoughts about camping or not camping you can follow us on some podcast everywhere follow me yournewapartment.tumblr.com and you can follow me at little underscore gnome underscore facts on instagram well peace out guys peace out girl scouts